We're allowed to have girls in our dorm room? Not girls, Gil. Women. We're college men now. He's in college great. It's gonna be a great year. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's been described as Indiana Jones meets Eckhart Tolle. And it's fiction set in a non-fiction world. You know, there's not too many fiction books that you get a 12-page bibliography at the back of it. Welcome back to the Grand America Show. We're going to be talking a little one great year with uh, Rennie and Tamara a little bit later. Uh, but first, Graham Barkley Dunlop. How's it going tonight, buddy? <laughs> You fucker got the middle name, eh? Yeah. You snuck it out. <clears throat> yeah, I'm doing good, buddy. I'm uh, looking Took forward four to four years. To paradigm. We got our flights booked. Everything's ready to go. Four yeah. years. It's only, I've only been here less than three, buddy. Well, three years. It took three years to get your rental name. Whenever I had yours, Scott. How do you know mine? Oh, you're looking at the flight thing, too, now. <laughs> well, that's how I got it, anyway. Was yeah. from the flight confirmation to the paradigm. Thank God we're flying and we're not driving. What is it, like two hours? A two-hour flight instead of a 23-hour drive? Yeah. And we were doing like 160. So, yeah, in this episode, we've got uh, Renee DeFazio and Tamara Veach talking about their novel, awesome book called One Great Year. Big one, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's big, but it's it's uh, you fly through it because it's pretty uh, it's pretty kitchen. Pretty what? Kitchen. Kitchen? Yeah. Did you say kitchen or kitchen? Did you mean to say bitchin? <laughs> No, I meant to say catching, like catches you, like it's Moorish. What? Moorish. Moorish? <laughs> you gotta be a better way to say that. Makes you want more. Oh, Moorish? That's definitely not a word. Yeah. Are we adding that to the dictionary? Yeah. If words Graham makes up? Yeah. That could be a the segment. Graham America dictionary? Yeah, Graham, Graham America. I like it. All right. So, what's new? <clears throat> Buddy had a dream. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> and you want to read it? I well, I kind of want to read it, but it's a long dream. But my friend in Mexico, Rai, we I've read one of his dreams before. It's okay. long. It's really long. Okay, go ahead. I'll, I'll let, put some fruity music behind it. Maybe I just read part of it. Can you like summarize it? No. How many pages is it? Um. Yeah. Not shut your phone off <laughs> when you come in the studio either. Uh, it's, uh, it's hard to say how many pages it's, uh, it's a couple pages. Yeah. That's going to take a while to read. Yeah. How about you give us a quick summary okay, of well, it and well, you can throw it in the show notes. Why don't I just read the first paragraph and then you can tell me if I should okay. continue or not. All right. Okay. So it was before going to bed the other night and he set the intention out. He wanted an answer, an explanation as to why it is that when he looks up at the stars, he feels that there, that home is there. Pleiadians? No, just the stars. I love Earth and on many occasions feel at home, but that expression is exactly that, that you are not at home, but try to make it feel like home. So then he had this dream. I was on this large military spaceship, which we called the Pegat Pegasus. We had come out of hyperspace and into an area with close proximity to our enemy's ship. This was the enemy that attacked us on Earth. This was the enemy that brought us together, and this was the enemy that killed so many, we were sure of it. The world formed one government and one military, and we followed, hell-bent on revenge, 
They stole so many lives from us, and we were going to make them pay. As we slowed to a halt, we were within range, and the battle commenced. We struck first. The larger ships attacked, each one with lasers and other weaponry. <laughs> you want me to get into the UFO quote of the week? You'll have to delete that, because that's mean to my buddy. Because <laughs> I really do like the dream. <laughs> it gets pretty crazy. So this is the UFO quote of the week. Graham's profound UFO quote of the week. One night in 1968, while on a ri- operation in the Caribbean, I went up to the open bridge to relieve the watch. At 11.45, Oh, two, three, four, five. What? Two, three, four, five. Yeah, that's a, interesting. The other watch section wouldn't leave. This I don't is, believe in that shit. You do. You love the numerology. You talk. Yeah, you but not, do a thing not, not, not the, the time. clock one. So not the clock because the clock's man-made. It can still be. Uh, time can be shifted, right? What does that even mean? I mean, like eleven, eleven. I don't make a wish. <clears throat> or twelve thirty-four. Waking up at three thirty-three. You don't think that's that means never happened. Okay, let's get That's back to the UFO quote. Okay. I do yeah. wake up around three every day, though. Really? After my abduction. <laughs> I was going to say, are you sure you're waking up and you're not going back to bed? Okay, so at 11.45 in p.m., the other watch section wouldn't leave. This is really unusual because typically they want to get what's left of the mid-rats. That's sandwiches and soup served on the mess deck. And hit the rack. However, they stayed up to observe two UFOs that were being tracked on radar by the CIC. These were tracking two bright lights that didn't answer up to IFF. They weren't enemy, friend, foe, or commercial aircraft. And were flying at speeds in excess of 400 knots. What does it say? Knots. <laughs> and making turns at right angles. Nothing we knew of could do this, but they did. We saw them hover over the water with an eyesight at about a few thousand yards, one submerging and the other as if standing guard above, waiting for the other to resurface. When it emerged, they buzzed off in formation at a 45-degree angle to exit our planet. As they became distant, turned color from a bright white to a burning amber and disappeared within about 10 seconds. Now that is from the bridge watchman, GM Brinkman aboard the USS Waldron 1968 near Puerto Rico. Does it say the date of the sighting? Is that the date of the sighting? 1968? 1968, yeah. Or Shag Harbor? 70s, I think, eh? Sounds similar. Yeah, it does sound similar, yeah. I wonder. Hmm. I'm going to look it up. Go ahead. Google Shag Harbor, Joey. Shagaba. What's your guess? 73. I don't know why I think 78. Shag Harbor, UF, 1967. Ooh, interesting. That was one year before the October. October. And this was, uh, it just says 68, one night in 68. One night in 68. Hmm. Maybe he's, hmm. Well, I think we solved it. Same UFOs. UFO, oh USOs. So UFOs are like all-terrain vehicles. And USOs are, well, yeah, they can be, but as soon as they hit the water, then they're like USOs, as if they're different craft or something like that. 
I thought they weren't craft. What do you mean? That you didn't subscribe to the craft bolts. Yeah, I, I don't a have a. I'm not stuck in any belief system. I. You're a nutter boulder. I'm a. I'm both, man. It's all all of the above. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. So, did you hear they caught Jack the Ripper? They didn't catch him, but they've proven who it is through DNA. No. Yeah. Just happened. I think yesterday or the day before. Oh yeah. Breaking news. It was a Polish bartender. Really? Yeah. There's a whole rigmarole of how it uh, actually went down, but uh, they're saying, yeah, this is it. Like basically someone brought in some piece of clothing or something and they pulled some uh, DNA off it. Semen related DNA, I'm pretty sure. And then traced it to a living relative of this Polish bartender named Aaron Kosminski. And it was a perfect match. There he is right there. That's Jack the fucking Ripper on the screen. Wow. Crazy, looks, eh? Yeah, he looks kind of normal. What is it, like a couple hundred years later? Oh, no, not, not even, I don't think. The case is 125 years old. Yeah. Huh. That was the Ripperologist that figured it out? That's a different job. You think it's something different. Ripperologist is like uh, when it goes to the strippers all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stripperologist. No, they dropped the strip. Why? When did they become rippers? I don't know. That's you weird. Eh? They were you... rippers already when I grew up. Were they really? Yeah. I wonder why that is. I wonder if other people in the world know strippers as rippers. Or if it's just a Canadian is that thing. Just because they rip off their clothing, maybe? I don't know. I used to have a pair of tearaway pants. <laughs> Whatever happened to those? Those were like in and out in like fucking six yeah, months. That's like as quick as my parachute pants were in and out. You had parachute pants? Purple ones. Oh, uh, fuck. I would, no, I don't think I had purple Did I have purple ones? I Maybe. I think that. I had gray. Gray. Nice. I had rugby pants too. I if you can them. still order parachute pants on Amazon. No, I don't think so. That's too bad. Well, the guys in MU talk about them a bit though. I don't know. Maybe they made it to Australia in the 90s or something like that. They're probably just getting a fucking Australia now. I had <laughs> I had rugby pants and uh, did you ever have those? No, no you were no. you're the way before your age. Way before. And uh, we were playing. What the fuck are rugby pants? They're like uh, just like basic pants with pockets, like baggy pockets, kind of. They're called rugby pants, and I had a pair, and I was playing with uh, playing that. Uh, what was it called? Handball, European handball, in the lunch gym. And they split open in the crotch, and I didn't know it. And everybody's laughing at me, and I wondered why. And then I sat down. I got up on the bleachers and sat down and looked down, and my pants were wide open. I uh, said, so I have a complex about rugby pants. <laughs> I have a complex about a few things from that. The <laughs> PTSD, big time. Why is everybody laughing at me? <laughs> I probably played for like two minutes without knowing that my pants were wide open. I was like, feels kind of cold down there. Severe psychological damage ensued. Yeah. That, uh, uh, that's a good one. In uh, other news, we've got the new voicemail plugin on the website. Just Sweet. installed last night. Uh, we don't have a phone number, fuck all. Basically, that's another expense, and we figured we'd try this. This route's free, and we figured we'd take it for a whirl and how see. Do, how do people do it? And see. You just go to the website. You can do it on your mobile phone. I think if you do it on your phone, it's going to make you... Download an app, a speak pipe app or something like that. 
Or you can just click on the the little bar on the right side of the grammaricas.ca page and it'll pop up a little thing and it just basically uses either your phone microphone or your you internal use your computer microphone. microphone? Yeah, it's like all through the computer. So there's no phone number. So we figured we'd try this out and we'll see how this goes. And if there's interest, then maybe I'll, we'll make the investment for another, I think it's eight bucks a month for... All these five, the eight, eight bucks, bucks a month. Fucking had up when there's we need more subscriptions. <laughs> Help us out, please, people. So, if I had a USB mic plugged in, like the one I use for skyping friends and stuff like that, yeah, you could use then that. Then that would be probably the best yeah. way to leave it, right? As opposed to the open mic. No, I don't think it matters because there's no playback. Right. I think open mic. I think it'll sound better than a telephone, probably. Than a telephone. Telephone. Than a phone. A cellular telephone. Yeah, probably. It's probably a mic and a computer, I think. It'd be quieter, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It depends on what's going on in the background, I guess, right? Should I if play? If you're in a padded room, it probably sounds pretty good. Should I play our initial message? Yeah, do it. From our buddy Khan in uh, Australia. He's been a fan for a while, Sweet. actually. Yeah, He's yeah. been on the Twitter and listens to the show. He's listens to a... He was in, he's been in the live chat room a few times. He's uh, con- He's contributed. Right on. Thanks, Con. Hi, boys. It's uh, Con from uh, Melbourne. Love your shows. Keep up the good work. See you later. Sweet. Thanks, Con. Yeah. That comes through pretty clear. Yeah, it does come through pretty clear. wonder how he recorded it. Uh, Probably on his, it sounded like a Skype mic. Sky, a Skype mic? Yeah. Is that a thing? No, it's not. Like your open mic on your computer, I mean. Oh. Yeah. Internal mic. So, what do you want people to leave messages for about just uh, the stories, thoughts, stories, feedback, thoughts, feedback? <clears throat> cool. Spam. UFO sightings. UFO sightings. All right. All that fun stuff. I got an email from my uh, uncle Dave. Uncle Dave. Yeah, we haven't given the family a shout out. Uncle Dave in a while. should have his own jingle. Uncle Dave should have his own jingle. He sent me. This is what. Uh, he thought of when he read this article, he thought of us or me when he read this article that the Fermilab experiment will attempt to answer whether we actually live in the matrix. Or have you heard about that? that one? Yeah, I think we've heard that. That's old. No, isn't well, it? Maybe. I you know, swear we've talked about this before. No, I don't think so. In what, in what may be one of the most mind boggling, surreal experiences ever floated. Scientists at the U.S. Department of Energy's Fermi National Accelerator Lab, the Fermi Lab, will attempt to discover if the universe is real or merely a holographic 3D illusion that we just think is real. Using high-powered lasers, the scientists intend to determine if space-time is a quantum system made up of countless tiny bits of information. Huh. What do you think? Yay. Yeah. Coin toss, man. Yeah, we'll follow that one, eh? When's the when's the date? Um, I don't know. I'll have to. Uh... Maybe wouldn't that be fucked up if it turned out that that turned out to open up some crazy black hole as opposed to the the CERN lab the collider? Yeah. Hmm. I'll uh, I'll put a link to it in ones the show and notes. zeros. Ones and zeros take down our reality. <clears throat> and you wake up, you just. You're like just under the dirt and you dig yourself out and you're in a fucking cornfield in Idaho. 
Like that movie, uh, have you we're seen all that? ones and zeros. We're not even people, we're ones and zeros. Have you seen Transcendence with Depp? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good, eh? Turned out he was a good guy. Spoiler. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to Darren. Spoiler alert. Um, anything else to hit on me? Did we mention the money bomb? Go America.ca slash money bomb. Hope the show. Oh, what are we doing with that? Yes, please uh, donate to the show to help us out with all our expenses. We're not trying to make money. We're just trying to cover our costs here. And uh, so far, it's it's been pretty good. Like, we've given away uh, some money back, like 50%. Well, no. Help me out here. We've given away pretty much everything we've taken in <laughs> after this date. It's supposed to be a 50-50 draw is what I'm getting at. So, so, uh, so we're just going to switch it now instead of giving money away as soon as we crack a hundred and giving it all away. We're just going to wait till we hit 200 and split it 50, 50 kind of like it was originally planned. Yeah. Unless it goes up, obviously it, yeah, in that month, hopefully. if it goes up really quick, then we'll just yeah. do it. Yeah. yeah. If, if we can get some more interest, but we have been getting more subscribers. So that's uh that's helping. That's a, lot. a bonus. Yeah. The donations dropped off, but the subscribers pick up and it's always nice to have the steady subscribers, flow. a steady flow of, you know, that goes right to our website yeah, expenses well, and yeah, hosting steady. expenses and deleting files expenses. Yeah. Steady flow goes out. So we need the steady flow coming out. Fund. Yeah, right. How many tickets you got? Three tickets in the last week? Just two speeding and one red light. Nice. You're a menace to fucking society. <laughs> fucking 287? $287. If you get pulled over by a cop, was it a cop or a picture? It's a picture. Yeah, Can I fight it still? By, you're going to fight a picture? Well, are you I'm fight asking a you. What are you gonna you're say the there? expert they, about fighting You can tickets, still fight so. it, but you won't win. The picture's going to show up. <laughs> but can I just argue that it's a silly limit? <laughs> no. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> I don't agree with it. That's fine. You live in a fucking police state. <sighs> And they want your money. Anyways. If you get actually pulled over by a cop, though, that's three hundred eighty-five bucks or three eighty-seven or wow. something. Really? Plus like five points. Wow. Or... It's a good thing all the cops with the donut shops and they use the cameras now to. Oh, snag dude! You. When I go to Starbucks, like fucking, if I go to Starbucks on my way from the shop to the site, there'll be like four fucking RCMP cars parked in the thing, running, yeah. running, running. Yeah. Those things run all winter. Yeah, but no, we don't. I don't need uh, subscriptions to help me cover my speeding tickets. It's just to cover our, our monthly expenses here in Grand America to do the podcast. Basically, host uh, like host the podcast, right? As long as you know, it, we'll consider paying your tickets if you pull over on your way to the studio. Really? That's well, we when my tickets. What about on my pay. way home? That's when all the tickets happen. Is on the freeway on the way home, and they change that fucking zone to seventy. They didn't change it. It's been 70 for fucking 10 years. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. When I moved here, it's that since the ring there. road was put in, I think. No. They slowed everything no, down. There's there. always been a light at Garden. Nobody cares about this conversation. I know. Sorry, everybody. So anyways, uh, <clears throat> uh, help out the show because it, it, uh, it really does help. And you get an email. If you subscribe, you get a... Darren gives you an email address. Oh, yeah, so. shit, email. That yeah. reminds me. That none of the email of your, addresses are working right now. None of your email addresses are working. <laughs> because it was it was part of the... Uh, including ours, by the way. Including so. ours. Yeah, well, ours works now. But, yeah, it was part of our little website drama when we started getting too much traffic. But uh, 
Oh, I don't have it handy, but uh, hmm, what can I do? What's the easiest way to do that? Maybe I'll just put something on the bottom of the Money Bomb page that has the instructions on how to okay. fix it. Basically, okay. it's perfect. Just, That's a good idea. Yeah, because yeah. all you guys, I sent everyone their settings, so they've set up their. I mean, yeah. the webmail hasn't changed. If they're if you're just ac- accessing it through slash webmail nothing should have changed. But if you're using your phone or your um, computer. computer, then the uh, the server settings will have changed, but it's pretty easy. I think it's like mail.america.com or something for both. But uh, I'll put the instructions on the Money Bomb page, and then if you guys are having any, uh, any other problems, you can always shoot me an email and I'll help you out. With that, all other uh, spam-related emails go to Graham. <laughs> Graham will not be able to help you with your email address. Maybe you could. You're probably a pro by now. Yeah, I'm since mine's been... for fucking two weeks. <clears throat> yeah. Um, hmm. Want me to check it out now or no? It's not a good time? No, I don't check it out. Okay. I'll put, I'll put it on there. Okay. But yeah, spam gram. Spam the shit out of gram. Okay. I got into some more feedback if you want, just a little bit. Sure. So, uh, this is from one of our uh, listeners. We've heard from him before. It's Harold in uh, Venice, Florida. And he just finished the last podcast. He says, this was a change for you guys. Emmy was wonderful and kind of interviewed you guys. This was so fun to listen to. I had a thought. You should have her on as a special UFO slash alien guest interviewer like you have RPJ. You guys got along on the podcast wonderfully. She was really well educated in UFOs, brought a lot to the show. By the way, this is the weird thing. A friend of mine that reads comic novels was just telling me about a book he had seen at a comic show in Orlando. And the writer had a similar name to me, Emmy Bittner. Two days later, you guys have Emmy on your podcast, and your show has never done the comic thing before now. Darren, what number do you give this one? Come on, that's a 10 for sure, at least a 9.9. He says, keep up the great shows. What's <laughs> that's it? from Harold Bittner. Huh. <laughs> so he bought in the book because it said Bittner. No, 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 no. Oh, man, I like Harold. <laughs> you like me you can still you, can, you like me and you fucking give me you tank my numbers all the time so if you don't think it's that high one he was just joking about it being a 9.9 obviously but it is pretty cool it is pretty cool I wonder if I could give it uh, oh it involves the show so it's a 6.42 6.42 I've got one. You've got one? Perfect. I'm seeing if you change your mind from about a half hour ago. Because Joey in in the studio just pulled bounce out of his... Uh. <laughs> out of his... Out of his hoodie in front of me? Yeah. And that's twice that somebody's pulled bounce out of their hoodie in front of me today. So, yeah. Who is the other person? I. It's just somebody at work. They both just are lazy at doing their laundry. <laughs> On the same day, they pull bounce out of a hoodie There's in front of me. Bouncing like all their clothes. I know, but isn't that what just else? a yep. weird? Isn't that yep. weird? I mean, it's okay. Here, <laughs> so we got here, bounce I'll, in his pants. Here's why I think it, it's not a synchronicity. Okay, because I'm not stuck. Because I said so. No, That's it's because it's, it's not. not meaningful, right? It's just a. It's a fucking weird coincidence. I wonder how many people in Calgary pulled bounce out of their hoodie. Today, none, no more. It was just them two. No, in there's front more of than that. No. Guaranteed, there's no. probably at least a hundred. People don't even use bounce anymore. They use a the little dryer. Everybody balls. uses bounce. No, he uses those dryer Nelly's dryer balls. 
What is that? It's the it's the rubber ball that you put in your dryer, so you don't use the chemicals and bounce. Right? It's a natural way to to keep your clothes from not, clinging not together. Every, no, we had one of those fucking things. So it doesn't work. We're shit. I use four in mine. Four. <laughs> yeah. So how much petrol is in those plastic balls? That's not the point. I use Melaleuca balance sheet. What's a Melaleuca? I have no idea. But it's okay, supposed to be healthy. All right. Good luck. Healthier than your balls. Did they come out of your, did they get stuck in your hoodie? What if you had one in your hoodie right now? I haven't washed this hoodie in months. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I smell. <clears throat> well, here, there's some bounce for it. Right here. <laughs> Perfect. I remember when we, what we used to do is put the bounce over the, uh, the end of a like paper towel roll. We were kids smoking dope in the house. Wow, really? And you like blow it out through the bounce. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Really? And it would it would it would work? It would Wow. You know what yeah. they used to use in the States when we go down there? They do nice smelling in here. <laughs> they do an apple. Oh yeah, yeah. Did Make you a hear pipe about that? An apple. Yeah. I don't know. I know. when we went down south we do we were like, why why don't you guys just smoke a joint or a pipe? Like why do you have to put in an apple? Because you don't stink? Is that what they say? No, it's just so they hide the evidence. So the roach goes, everything goes away and there's no evidence left. Evidence? The roach? Yeah. So what about yeah. the rest of your weed? Well, they just doesn't stink, bring just enough to put in the apple. Yeah. And no, that's no, it. Yeah, yeah. I guess when you're facing life, <laughs> Three it's, a strikes. it's a different yeah. ball game. Yeah. When you I'll just, pay the, I'll just pay the fine. Yeah. If I even get one, I'll probably just take it away and smoke it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's about it. I think we yeah. got to apologize to all these people for this crazy outro. Intro. I mean, intro. <laughs> intro? I don't think so. We're good. Paradigm. Right. Yeah, we did Paradigm. Okay, yeah. Paradigm's coming up October 2nd and 5th, Minneapolis. Great lineup of speakers, right? Graham Hancock, Richard Dolan, two of my favorites right there. Michael Hanks, Scotty Roberts, John Ward, yeah. David Weatherly, yeah. John Anthony West, yeah. Eric Von Daniken, and our buddy Ramon's going to be there. Right on. Speaking of Micah Hanks, we're having him on next week. Uh, he'll be in the uh, the backstage mixer feed Monday night at 10 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, uh, we'll put it on the site too. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I like how you took over that job. No, not on, so the, well. well, no I, on the on the website. Yeah, yeah. not on the mixer. And you're doing the what's it called now too, right? The not UFO really, quotes. Yeah, not very often. Yeah, you can get the UFO quotes on, on the, the website. Site, yeah. And then that, I think that's about it. We had a fun time chatting with Rennie and Tamara. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was a fun chat. I think you guys will really enjoy it. And the book it. is fantastic. The movie will be even better. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. That's exciting. Yeah, it even goes into Grammar your America shirt thing. at the Grammys. Even goes into your, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Even goes into your favorite genre of history, the Genghis Khan time frame. Genghis. 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 How was tomato, that? tomato. The Dan Carlin series? Yeah. Uh, it was good. Darren's talking about, he listened to Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. Uh, like nine hours. Like we even Mongols. need to plug it. Like it's an amazing podcast, but yeah, it was on, was it all on Khan? Genghis Khan? No, it was on the Khans, uh, the Mongols period. Oh, okay. Over like a hundred years or something like that. Oh, yeah. Mm. Pretty intense, man. It's some yeah. pretty weird little things you never heard. Things that just how close it, Came to be in a giant Mongol fucking continent. Nope. Really? Yeah. Eh? 
No, they were, I don't know if they would have got over here. The Indians probably could have took them anyway. <laughs> what 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 stopped them? Unless they brought smallpox. What stopped them in the end? Uh, their leader dying. Genghis. Uh, by that time, it was a different leader. Oh. But the Mongols, it's like everything stops when the head gets pulled really? off the snake. They all go back to Mongolia and need to have this ceremony and really? vote in new people. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. And that's it. So how did he die? Uh, I guess you kind of you don't really want to give away the... Yeah, and just listen to it. It's still free. It's free for another month and a half or two probably on... Yeah. Hmm. World War One. I. I like the World War One one better. Yeah, that was yeah. a good one. That was that the one they talked about the uh, the fields of uh, the the fields of soldiers or something like that. Or they talk about yeah. the yeah that was World crazy. War. They talk about yeah. World War One. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. The name. Yeah. But yeah, enjoy the chat with Rennie and Tamara, and uh, have fun. Okay, guys, tonight in Grimerica, we're going to be talking with Tamara Veach and Rennie DeFazio about their book, One Great Year. Uh, but first, the man with the, uh, the best T-shirt in the house, Graham Dunlop. How's it going? Hey, buddy. I'm doing good, Darren. Uh, great to be here. Well, uh, producer, yeah. We should mention producer Joe's here with his yeah. cute little door headphones. Yeah, he's here, too. Yeah, we're, uh, we're excited tonight to have uh, Renee and uh, Tamara here. The One Great Year, it's like this classic uh, novel, kind of dark versus light, evil versus good, you know, reincarnation, Shambhala, shamanism. It goes through uh, Atlantis, everything. It's like a really, really good book, one of my favorites. So we're happy to have you guys here to talk about your book and to talk about what brought you guys together and the genesis of it and, and what's happening in the future for you guys. So welcome to the show. Wow. Thank, Thank you very much. Appreciate that was a uh, nice intro. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, no, it re really was. Like, I, I have to say, like, I told uh, Renee when we were talking on the phone, uh, you know, I was thinking, oh, you know, Rennie. I'll give this book. Yeah, sorry, I've already mispronounced his name. But <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll give this book a try. But, you know, the, this couple that got together and they made this book about the one great year. And, but, you know, it covers so many topics that we're interested in. But it was, it just dragged me right in. And it was great from the beginning to the start. It's honestly one of my favorite books. So, um, yeah, congratulations, guys, on an awesome start here. Thanks Thank so much. Thank Appreciate you. that. You know, um, the, the greatest part about a compliment like that is we're writing uh, book two. We're writing the sequel right now. And um, we don't, <laughs> it's a lot of work and it's a lot of research and it's a lot of time. So uh, every time, every time we get uh, that kind of feedback, it, it just fuels the fire to keep going and, 
and, and do what we love. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit about, uh, because it's, you can tell you guys have done research, right? You can tell you're not just kind of making stuff up. You know, of course it's an, it's a fictionalized uh, novel, but our, our first guest on the podcast last year, he made a novel recently and it was kind of similar. He, he included, uh, you know, kind of some, some factual stuff in there, but we wrote a novel around it. And it's, uh, I think it's a really good way to do it because it really does make you think and you put all these things together and you're going, wow, you know, like civilization might have been going for 13,000 years. And uh, Yeah, you know, you're, you're, you're exactly right because that's exactly what happened to us when we started. When You know, I, I read Graham Hancock's book, That Fingerprints of the Gods, back in 96, and I was actually backpacking around the year uh around you the world that thing in a backpack <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know that was crazy but I, I love to read when you know how many how much downtime you have when you're traveling so yeah. and i love to read something that that kind of ties into what i'm looking at at the time and something that would inspire me in that book just laid out this alternative history and and we started looking at all these things and, and the fact that the information that we put in the book is written down for thousands of years all over the world you just had to look it up and, and find it. And then it found that there were reasons that all these things, alternative reasons that these things were happening. And uh, that, that was kind of the, you know, the, the, the initial uh, seed to, to the book. Uh, and how long ago was that? That was actually, that was actually 1990, I believe six 1996 because i wrote the story and i saved it for 15 years i was actually acting and directing and producing at the time and i was i was hoping to turn it into a movie and it was kind of going to be my swan song so i I held on to it and then of course i I never got that opportunity so it sat in the drawer and then until i met tam and then uh, i pitched the idea to tam and and she loved it so the next day we started writing one great year the and fleshed out the story Oh, wow. So, so you kind of use that as an outline and then just kind of built, built around it. Yeah. He, he had, uh, Randy gave me a 15 page screenplay <laughs> and, um, it, yeah, I know big outline, but, uh, it had the, it had the basics in it. It had the idea that Marcus, um, our main character would have past life memory and yeah. that his soulmate wouldn't, and that they would be emissaries of a, of another time, uh, sent through time. So, uh, that was that were the basics that were already there. I think the the most amazing part for me, the growth for me through the process was, you know, Rennie always insisted that we do the research and that uh, everything was, you know, really had had a backdrop and and had substantiation behind it. And I I was a writer. I was a fiction writer. I said, no, we don't have, you know, we don't always have to do that. We don't. Right. It doesn't always have to be real. And he said, the more real it is, the more it's going to resonate with people. Wow. And what we, what we didn't realize, Graham, um, was that the more we looked into what was real, the more it would completely transform our whole lives in every way. Uh, and it has. So it's been quite a miraculous, amazing journey. And, and how long ago did that start off then? Uh, we started writing September 2009. Uh, and we wrote for, we put out our first draft in, uh, February of 2012. Wow. Quite the yeah. journey then. Yeah. It's been, it's been amazing. <laughs> and then that, you know, that was our, we initially self-published. We, we printed about 2000 books and within 500 of those self-published books, we had, we, we had won a writing award 
um, in London was the first one. And then, then we had, we signed the option um, to have the book turned into uh, a Hollywood project. So that happened extremely quickly. And then right after that, we got a U.S. publisher and we, we got a chance to re-edit the book. And that took another six, six months. And then we, um, then we put out that edition. Oh, okay. Did you make a lot of changes really? Or we, you know, it was, we found that we had run it through two um, editors already and the editors were, you know, they, they made more mistakes actually than we gave them. So it, it was really nice to get the thing to the level that we had, had hoped that it would become. Yeah. And we actually shortened the, the very beginning of the story starts in a, kind of a, an alternative uh, timeline, uh, the Atlantean kind of timeline. And for a lot of people that was, is kind of, is heavy. They, they're not used to it. There's a lot to learn. We shortened that. We got that really to the point because we found that our readers really wanted to get to what they, what they could really comprehend. And a lot of ancient wisdom and history uh, was where it was really driving the storylines. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense. I can see that now. Um, did, did you did you guys travel to any uh, a lot of sites in your in your, during your research or during we your did. Writing? Yeah, well, we we actually went on a couple of trips, but one of them we went to a place that's in the book called Stone at Center, which is actually a place in Bolivia called Tiwanaku. Oh, that's um, what that is. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and that's an ancient civilization. It's a it's a lot of mysteries um, surround that that complex it's only been three percent excavated because it was 90 percent of it was actually stolen um so but it had a lot of one-off um type construction to it that really the only comparison it has is across the water in egypt so a lot of mystery there yeah so i mean any of your any of your listeners um they'd be wise to uh google tiwanaku um and uh, puma punku yeah, uh, that's, in, that's yeah. near Lake uh, Titicaca, right? Yeah, it's about four hours from Lake Titicaca, which has its own absolute amazing history and sites to see. We're, we're going to take a group. Um, last week in November, first week of December, we are taking travelers to uh, Peru and Bolivia with uh, Spiritual Quest Journeys. Uh, they approached us and said, you know, like you, Graham, they said, this is one of our favorite books. We, we are, we'd love this. Um, can, or would you guys consider taking groups um, to some of the sites. And of course, we were thrilled. Uh, we're going with two amazing shaman. Uh, so we get, to, we get to host and learn and go through activations and go to portals and hear amazing ancient wisdom right from the, right from the families that grew up there and, and have history in ancient. Wow. When, when is that again? Last week in November, 2014, okay. first week of December. Wow. We leave a, I think it's the 23rd of November to the 7th of December. And it's on our website, on our events and tours page. There's a oh, link. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. a wicked, wicked itinerary too. Yeah. It goes to so many places and, and it's going to be filled with, with a lot of insightful knowledge because one of the shaman we're going with, he himself has written like three or four books. He travels around the world and he gives you the alternative history. He gives you what he deems as the true meaning of their people in creating those complexes. Right. And not the history of the conquerors, but the history of the people that are indigenous to the area, you know, and that, and that makes all the difference. And, and not to mention that we are going with a group of extremely cool, conscious, spiritual people. So we are really excited about that. So Rennie, what did you mean by, uh, it's, uh, something, uh, 
equaling Tiwanaku across the water in Egypt? Well, some of the, some of the things that, that Tiwanaku has is it has, uh, I mean, one of the most brilliant things for me that it has, it, it, it's actually a, a lock, uh, kind of a, a slide and lock um, uh, tongue and groove type construction. Right. So the stones actually slide like H's into each other. And then the back of the stone clicks into place. Okay. It, and it, so there's no cement, no mortar. It's actually just tongue and groove cut perfectly. Um, they have 60 ton slabs there with one millimeter variance from one side to the other. They have drill holes with six millimeters precisely drilled into the stone. Um, and they have, they've poured metal alloy into the corners as staples in order to keep the, the stones together in the corners, which is something that is only found in Egypt. Yeah, it's an amazing complex. There's something there also called the subterranean um, uh, uh, temple, subterranean part of the of the um, pyramid complex. And around that complex are um, heads and they resemble uh, visages from all over the world, all different cultures, all different areas at a time, uh, very ancient times where we weren't supposed to have been able to have that kind of contact. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's definitely something worth looking into. Uh, when we were there, I was really excited. There was a, there was a couple shots that look like grace, like actual alien. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Face. I remember that the alien yeah. face. And, and, and you, when you walk up to them, you, uh, you literally are taken aback because you recognize the other faces. There's some of them are quite damaged, but you really can recognize, uh, the, you know, Mongolian faces and Chinese faces and South African faces, uh, American faces. And when you see those, you know, the other, you know, it's, it's quite astounding to see, to see that when it shouldn't be possible. Is it, it's at pretty high elevation too, right? It is, yeah. What is it? I think it's thirty-six and a half thousand meters. Yeah, it's almost yeah, it's like good. it was some sort of a, some sort of a like library of human culture before the floods or whatever else you know came along. Exactly, and in the center of that that underground complex, there is a um, what's thought to be a, there's a statue there, but it's thought to be a great year calendar. Oh. It's an actual, it's a galactic calendar, and. Uh, and it lays out this, again, you know, this this 26,000 year cycle that's found in 31 ancient civilizations all over the world. Yeah, precisely the equinox. How many? Exactly. How many, 31, did you say? 31. And it's actually outlined in a textbook uh, called Hamlet's Mill. So they give you all the empirical proof of this place. And, and, and you know, it's, you know, the thing is, is that there's so many coincidences um, that are pertaining to this, this galactic cycle that it it starts to become ridiculously obvious that there's a whole lot more going on here than than most people yeah. are 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 led to believe well and, and you guys would know as uh, history as we know it is being rewritten right yeah. now all yeah. the time every so week it um like. it, it, well it is every week the the amazing thing is the discoveries are non-stop so if you're actually paying attention if you're actually looking you have to um either incorporate those things into your thinking or just tune out because you, I mean, there's only two choices. You either pretend it's not happening or you have to shuffle through and integrate this stuff into our world. You don't have to be crazy woo woo out there. Uh, conspiracy theorists to look at discoveries that are being made and say, okay, we need to shift some things around and, and integrate this stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's that there's a ton of conspiracies going on in the, 
government too. I mean, some of them just got proven true. Like what? Yeah, no, I mean, it's... It, <laughs> what do they say? Fine. Where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's also all this disinformation out there. And I, and I, you know, I firmly believe, you know, w- without being cynical, is that they don't want people to, to have this type of imagination or this, this type of uh, concepts in their minds because it's, uh, it, it really... Empowers. It empowers you exactly. and... And it changes. Yeah. It takes us out of out of the materialistic paradigm. Yeah. I, I sorry. I, I I don't want to chime in too fast, but um, I think the most important thing that we've learned in the last five years is discernment, and uh, that is you you take the information in, and there is lo- a lot of misinformation. If you want to discredit. Um, actual things that are going on, like let's say crop circles, then you have a whole bunch of, um, it's really easy to put information out there about fake ones um, to throw people off so that they just throw the baby out with the bathwater for, for lack of a better, you know, metaphor. Um, Everybody knows what that means. It's, it's discarding everything because some things don't fit. You have to have discernment, and that that's been really vital for us. Crop circles is a great example too, because they. So is the war on drugs. Yeah, they do well, life for picking mushrooms. Yeah, yeah, but I mean the crop circle thing because there's there's actual scientific evidence that there's some anomalies going on here, and, and they just ignore that and just propagate the the fake ones. It's it's a perfect example of. I like that the one. Works. Remember the one that looked like the. Uh, we sent that message into space on that probe, and then there was that crop circle that kind of looked like a response. Yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. I, I love that one, too. That's one of my favorites. Um, that was sent out, you know, um, um, okay, I'm missing that guy's name right now because he's Sagan. Sagan, yeah. Yeah, and he sent that out, and, you know, they returned it, and they used with the same information right beside the one where they sent it from. Like that, that's where the crop circle came down on the ground was right in front of where Carl Sagan sent that information from. Yeah. 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 We've actually so, got Patty Greer uh, on next week. She's a crop circle documentarian. She's well, we will leave, we will leave the expert uh, crop circle information all to her. Yes, you right. know, we should go out and, try and make a you crop know, circle. You bring up about, about that crop circle thing is that, that, you know, the BLT Institute is the one that just did a 12 year study on, those crop circles and yeah. we we bring it to people's attentions not because we want them to believe in crop circles because we want them to recognize the bias mm-hmm. that that creates within w- one person's self yeah. so if we can get them to say okay look at this you guys here there is some of these crop circles are non-human formed and this is how you can tell they're non-human formed and there's four ways of of deciphering that information that is impossible to copy yeah, you know, including that there's there's dust from our outer uh, atmosphere, uh, you know, inside the circles, inside the circles, and not outside the circles. It's only found within the circle. Yeah. you know, circle. Oh, the, the I didn't circle. know that. Yeah, we yeah. have a great study. We can we'll post it again. Um, but there's uh, the the like Randy said. You know, we've been touring, doing book signings, but we've also been speaking about you know some of our inspirations for one great year. And uh, in that, we do bring up the crop circles, and we want people to realize that uh, when you're thinking inside the box, when you're when you're being fed all your information, when you're not discerning for yourself, um, you you don't look at the information objectively. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the study that did come out, it was in the mainstream news. It got about an, uh, you know, a, a minimal 
a quarter of an inch at the bottom of the page saying, yeah, there's lots of evidence that crop circles might actually be non-human formed. And that was it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we, we just like to shake things up a little and, and uh, make people think if they're not already doing it. It's all kind of connected. It's all kind of like the war on consciousness. We, we, we call it here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Graham Hancock nailed it. You know, he did that war on consciousness talk at the uh, Ted talks and it was yanked for this exact same reason. I mean, it had a lot to do with his ayahuasca discussions, but, uh, you know, which ties into your war on drugs. So, I mean, yeah, it's all very, very connected. Well, and it's, it's more likely, I, I like what you said, it's more likely a war on consciousness than anything. Yeah, because it's, it's just... Pretty soon meditate and it'll be illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Discord, we'll start... Actually, it'll be disconnecting from the hive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, that's good. You only get 20 minutes a day away from the hive and you can't do it with them, with anyone else who's away from the hive. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so what else? Uh, I mean, you guys had some research into Atlantis and, and uh, the other part that I really liked was uh, the, uh, the step people like Genghis Khan and those guys. <laughs> yeah, that was some that was some crazy stuff that I didn't know about. You know, like if, if some of that research was uh, like you said, was sort of based on some historical facts it was pretty cool yeah because the only book that that survived on genghis khan is, is called the book of the mongols and that was a translation the only translation that they had was in chinese um so there's this one book that we got our information from and you know we stayed true to all the things that happened within his life wow. uh, and then you know there's this missing section in there where 20 years of his life goes unaccounted for in that book and so that gave us a little bit of artistic license to uh, to make people think about something else. Yeah, and, and and as in our as is so in our book, his his wife was kidnapped. She was kidnapped. She was taken for a year. She came back um, after sh just just shy of a year, and she was pregnant. So um, we the minute we read that part of the story, uh, we knew that it fit it fit perfectly with our characters and with you know where we needed to take them in their in their world and and what about marcus at that time well marcus we put him in there as a shaman yeah and uh you know so marcus is is this traveling mongolian shaman that uh that happens across <laughs> genghis khan's uh, uh timeline so yeah that was really really fun i love that because you know the whole mongolian thing and them believing in this ancient city of shambhala yeah yeah you know, and and there's again there's so much historical evidence on on this mystical city of Shambhala and and you know there's people out there what's it Rorick is Nicholas Rorschach yeah Nicholas Rorschach he you know he this guy's an artist and he actually created that that symbol of that uh, lots of people are talking about on the back of the one dollar bill but he, he when you Google that all you get is the music festival oh is that uh, right oh the Shambhala I wonder what the connection is there. Yeah, pretty much just a raid well, these well, days. Shambhala, Shambhala is quite a famous term, and it, it it really is just you know this divine hidden land, this uh, nirvana. Um, it's it's that place where you know uh, that's been talked about spiritually for thousands and thousands of years. So the name Shambhala is nothing new, um, but you know uh, the Nazis uh, spent years looking for Shambhala. They had an enormous um, a budget for uh for looking for for shambhala and they spent a lot of energy there we actually entertained uh, uh chapters 
it involved um, more heavily that time period in the world, but we felt that it had been overdone. So we wanted right. to bring something new to the table and um, so the, there's little pieces in there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I wondered if the Nazis would come into it actually at all, but uh, they sure looked for a lot of stuff back then. They were they did. for UFOs and Nazis and shit in Iraq and all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, and we and we and we delved into that. I mean, we dealt with the uh, the Bell Project, and there was there's plenty of chapters that didn't make it into book one. <laughs> That's good. That makes it. You can hopefully put them all into book two or three someplace. Well, book two and three seem to have a life of their own right now. They're creating, well, I mean, we meditate, so they kind of do have a life of their own. You is that when you do find your most creative process is during meditation? I do, I do yeah. I find, you know, we'll, we'll lay out the, you know, the, the general outline of the story. And then as things progress in the information, you start learning about certain aspects. And... And you don't understand. I, I mean, we did not understand this stuff prior to writing about it. So we would just meditate on it. And then you would get these images would kind of flash in to our to our heads. We'd look those images up and and lo and behold, there was the information. Yeah. So. Meditation and synchronicity combined were, were quite fantastic, especially when we're doing the research and things would pop up on the screen and you'd go, oh, let's follow that. Let's follow that. Like Alice down the rabbit hole. You know, and we would we'd follow it and find something that was completely on point. And that's happening again. We're getting phone calls from other parts of the world, emails. Um, and it's it's something we're actually studying. Uh, I, I'm I mentioned the elementals a little bit. <laughs> All right. So there's we're looking at some real natural stuff that, you know, that, that might be going on in the world right now. And, and my kids were away and and they came back and handed me this amazing little wood man, this man made of wood that was perfectly natural. And they handed it to me and said, mom, this is supposed to be for you. And they had carried it around all week and, and we're working on this and they don't know what we're working on. And they've never heard of anything like elementals or, and I just went, okay, well, we're on the right track because, you know, little boys do not carry around treasures like that for a week and hold on to it. Sounds like a synchronicity to me. Yeah, Darren's, Darren, what would you rate that? Darren's got a, a, a third-party Canadian synchronicity rating system going on here in Grammar. Yeah. I'll give it a... Seven. Seven, yeah. I have better stories. They're just yeah. not... <laughs> well, yeah, we should save those. We, we usually like to round out with that. So we should save a few synchronicities for the end. So that'll give you a, a little bit of time to maybe think up some doozies to yeah. try and try and uh, try and impress me. I'm a pretty, I've been told I'm a pretty harsh judger. Okay. Well, I'll take that seven out of 10. That wasn't even that good a story. <laughs> yeah, Dar Darren's, uh, we've been asking uh, most of our guests about synchronicities because it keeps coming up here. So. That's yeah, no, we looked at Carl Jung's work extensively when we were researching this book and and of course, you know, archetypes and all that. And it really it all seems to tie together. And, you know, there, there seems to be this this universal language, right, known as sacred geometry. And the more you delve into that, especially the seed of life and the flower of life stuff, it, it opens up little portals. And, uh, you know, once we once we started learning about it, we, how come the whole world is not talking about this stuff? And, uh, you know, that's what we kind of that was one of our main drive in 
in getting this information is out was how, how do we go about getting the whole world to talk about this stuff? Yeah, I remember Rennie saying, you know, my goal is just I don't need to convince anybody. We don't need to, t- you know, tell anyone what to think. He goes, I just want people to talk about it. I want people to have the book in one hand and be typing Google on the other hand, checking if stuff's real. And every single time we are at a book signing or anywhere, people come to our table and said, I was looking that up on Google while I was reading. <laughs> so we're, we're pretty stoked that that's actually working. That's funny. We just did, uh, we just, our last episode was, or no, sorry, not our last episode. Our next to last was uh, three and a half hours with Randall Carlson talking about sacred geometry. Yeah, he's fantastic. I, I love listening to him. I, I listened to a lot of his lectures actually when we were writing. Wow, that's he, cool. Yeah, he's a, he's a smart man, boy. And he totally gets it. So you know, that's exciting, right? Yeah, totally exciting. He's open-minded. And, and the, the way he puts it all together, the sacred geometry, blew me away. Because I, I was kind of a fan, but I didn't really look that deep into it. And uh, when I started getting into the, the, the similarities between all this math and the numbers, and it's just it's mind-blowing. It is mind blowing. I'll, I'll tell you some stuff you probably you you don't even, you're not even aware of yet. It's is this seed of life, okay? So you know, is that the flower as, of life too? Is the flower the of life. The seed of life is kind of the the original eight circles. Okay. Um. So those those eight circles, every biological creature in the world starts off, and it's called the egg of life. So the the you know the the seed of life is the two dimensional uh, image of the of that those eight circles right if we were to flash you have the egg egg of life it's a three-dimensional object so if you flash a flashlight onto that three-dimensional object on the two-dimensional piece of paper is the seed of life yeah it's an eight cell cluster of all biological beings yeah so this this seed of life it 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 resides in the middle of your body and within 40 weeks which is 260 days it grows exponentially out and you are born Okay, so there's their first tie to the 260 number. It's the gestation period. And, um, and you're born, you know, with all your complications and experience, 100 trillion cells in your body. But every seven years, those cells die and, and rejuvenate, except for those eight original cells, which is the seed of life, which resides in the middle of your body your whole life. It also happens at this current time, we're 26,000 light years from the center of of the universe from the Milky Way, which is the black hole, right? Um, and we're, we're 26,000 light years away from it, right? So this cycle, this, this 26,000 year, great year cycle, right? That is a natural phenomenon that occurs when, when the earth spins one time on its wobble, um, for it to make one degree, so one degree of that 360 degree turn takes 72 years, which is 26,000 days. So there's wow. there's so many coincidences for you yeah. that that you got to start saying okay there's something way more going on here and it and it can actually when you start looking on on a like on a graph on a on a round circle graph um, you can actually create a working model for time based on the Taurus and the Great Year cycle. I wonder uh, if if you so those are the eight cells I guess that you need to get into your cyborg. If you want to like switch your consciousness, maybe it's not about the brain. It's just about those cells. You know, I am so glad that you kind of brought that up because that is, that's the, that is the biggest fear about this information is that if people don't fully look at this information for themselves, that they don't actually 
try to understand it and because you, you can't actually learn it from somebody else telling you 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 have to have an epiphany yeah. in searching for it by yourself yeah. but if people start getting turned into this whole oh this whole consciousness thing we're just consciousness and you know our bodies are just vehicles and they're they're going to die i'm so, going to choose a better vehicle right. right so let's let's take the consciousness out of the human body put it into the cyborg now we live forever but what they're not realizing is now your consciousness is trapped in a machine and that is a huge huge a red flag well because the evolution um is, is meant to happen through the lifetimes through, through the reincarnation and through the suffering so when you take um when you take the uh, material density away and you uh and but when you make people sick enough and uh riddled with cancer and uh, afraid of death and afraid of aging uh which our society is doing a beautiful job of doing mm -hmm. um they're going to make that more appealing. And, and what we have to do is embrace the absolute magic um, that that is our physical bodies and, and the, the physical form, uh, you know, and I, and I think, you know, we talked about ayahuasca a little bit earlier, um, you know, when we had our own experiences with that one, of, one of the greatest uh, pieces of that experience for myself was the realization that these vehicles, these bodies that we get to walk around in are absolutely a gift. Um, and they don't have to be perfect because they are perfect anyway. <laughs> well, maybe you could just so there's have a, like a there's time a limit on it. So you can just be like, a, <laughs> you can be the robot for like another 50 years and then it shuts off and then you get to go continue. <laughs> you know, what's going to happen, I think, you know, is that you're going to try and turn off that robot and you're going to be unable to do it. Right. And and think of it this way. Imagine um, that they're going to simulate um, uh, sexual contact and they're going to simulate a hug and they're going to simulate, um, you know, all the uh, feeling water running through your fingers and feeling sand running through your toes. But it's not really happening. There is a difference between simulating childbirth and giving birth. Mm. Did you guys find anything that kind of, because we've talked to a few people that actually think we might be um, living in a simu simulation right now. Do you guys give that any credence? You bet. It's all a holograph. Yeah, no, there, there's, <laughs> we looked at a lot of that stuff. I mean, they just had the second paper come out by a group of physicians out of, uh, physicists out of, out of uh, Japan, and that came out to December 2013. So, you know, they're, they're now... I, two different groups of scientists because the, the idea just came out in 1996 and then now we have a, a second group of um, physicists that have have said look it looks like and and you hear it from the eastic eastern mystics i mean they say that that the universe is more like a giant thought than some kind of mechanistic type organism and and now now with this holographic concept and and the more you look at it you know the fact that everything is kind of comes from atoms and all atoms and electrons and protons are essentially the same. You know, it's only the diff how many electrons or how many protons that, you know, are, are, are circling the, the nucleus that actually give it its different potential. And it's very much like the body, the body with those eight cells. It's not until they be those eight cells become 64, which is the flower of life. That's how many circles make up the flower of life that you actually start having the cells become certain um organs in the body like the heart is the first organ that's developed within the body and that happens after 64 cells or divisions 
which is the flower of life. (laughs) And the ancients knew it. That flower of life is everywhere. It's all over the world. We found it on every continent. And uh, once we started looking for this symbol, this meaningful symbol, uh, we were unable to find uh, a place that it didn't exist. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's worth paying attention to. It's worth uh, well, studying. And the seed of life, you know, it dives right into, into the golden ratio, which is 1.618. So that little petal within the circle is 1.618 of the area of the circle. Oh, I right now, now. Yeah. So you, we are, our bodies are golden ratio, right? You know, the knuckle divided into the second knuckle, what's left over is 1.618. Uh, then you got your hand into your arm. What's left over to your elbow is 1.618. Your foot into your leg. It's true with your eyes, your ears, your nose, your chin. And, you know, it's not every single person. It's a, it's a, a hundred people average. You know, it, that's how it works. And our DNA, if we take the strand of our DNA, the, the helix, just one, one strand and you, you, sorry, not one strand, but just one turn of that helix for the length and the width to, uh, is 1.618 when you divide the width into the length. Oh, wow. Wow. See, I didn't know that either. So is a, is a, it is a mathematical universe. Is a, is a flower of life then with the 64 sides, is a, is a buckyball like a three-dimensional version of that? Like did Buckminster Fuller, was he onto that or did he Absol- come up with it? Absolutely. He was 100% onto it. He he actually really opened up a lot of windows and, and you know, even started opening up Einstein's uh, eyes to this stuff but Einstein couldn't get over the whole quantum world thing so he you know he was basically stuck he couldn't get beyond that and unfortunately he was like, Fuck it, he was like spooky action, <laughs> yeah. action at a distance ah we'll just leave it there yeah spooky action at a distance yeah. exactly but even um the 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 64 sided flower of life you've got the um uh metatron's cube uh that fits perfectly within that ah. um so yeah it's, it goes on they go, and they on so the and and it's what true. is Metatron's cube in terms of, is it, a, is that a plutonic solid at all? Or does it, what, how, what is that again? So, you know, well, basically what it is, it's, it's, um, it's the continuation of the, the flower of life, which eventually will produce a symbol known as the fruit of life. Okay. And, okay. and, and within that fruit of life, that Metatron cube, that's when all platonic solids fit into. So every single thing that's in our known universe, which is only 4% of the universe fits into those, those general um, shapes, the platonic solids. Right. Okay. Okay, cool. Thanks for explaining yeah. that. <laughs> well, so, you know, what's even, what's even, I'll tell you something, what's even cooler, Graham, is that is the flower, uh, sorry, is the tree of life. And I don't know if you're familiar with Nassim Haramine's work, where Nassim has come up with the idea that if you look at, at this, um, this symbol, this tree of life, and you actually compress it together, uh-huh. it, it, forms the, um, it forms the flower of life. Like it, it actually forms it in a three-dimensional Yeah, it's like a mystery object. school code. Oh, okay. So if you push down on it, kind of like if you flatten it out, it'll it'll end up being a flower of life. Yeah. If you kind of if you push the top into the bottom and the sides into the middle, it forms this this uh, this shape that that will eventually. It's kind of like a a star tetrahedron, but it's more. It's got sixty four sides again. Same sixty four. That that number will keep popping up over and over and over, because that's where um, consciousness takes form that's when it it kind of that's when it jumps into the vehicle 
as it were. Wow. How long does that take? <laughs> it takes uh, exactly 26,000 days. <laughs> or 26,000 years. The great well, 26,000 years that is that great year cycle. And you know what's cool is like even, even um, in London at Stonehenge, if you were to look at Stonehenge and you look from the, directly into the middle from an aerial view and you just connect the stones in the same manner that we do the coloring books when we we're kids, you get the seed of life. And not only that, they have two circles around that seed, which is known as the uh, Zona Pellucida, which is the egg of life, which is all biological uh, creatures are created. Yeah. So we, we actually show those pictures. We have a, a media on our media page. We have uh, some video. Um, there's about a 25 minute video and we, we do a whole PowerPoint uh for people yeah, there's to, lots of information on our website at because as one you can tell we're full and full of information yeah, yeah totally <laughs>let's get back to the book for a bit then you were uh, i got a couple questions about that i want to i want you guys to kind of summarize it for people too before we forget to kind of give it like uh your own sort of special taste of of what the book is um and then i guess wrapped around that is the the reincarnation part that we haven't really talked about yet um you know we've heard about research right now that's uh going on that's almost you know, it's, it's showing pretty good evidence that reincarnation is real. Once again, it's like science merging with spirituality. And, and uh, I love the way you guys wrap that into your book through the generations. Um, was there any special epiphanies that gave you guys the idea of the darkness reincarnating or the light, that type of thing? Can you discuss that? You know, the, the, whole, the whole thing was filled with, <laughs> because you know what happened is we started trying to challenge ourselves. We started to, okay, where can we not find this information? And we looked everywhere. So that whole, that whole um, reincarnation bit, I mean, you know, Robert Lanz is talking about it with biocentrism currently. And he's one of the three, you know, most influential scientists in the world today. He's actually been compared to, to Einstein. And, uh, and he says, you know, it's within, he has no doubt that he believes we go on after this. And he lays it all out with all the empirical evidence in his book. So this is a real smart guy that basically looked at the same stuff we did because he kind of comes from a biology. He did stem cell research. He was the, the, the scientist that came up with the, you know, cloning Dolly and doing all that stuff. But, you know, he started looking into astrophysics and and, you know, sacred geometry and the same same similar stuff that we were looking at. Yeah, well, what and what Lanza found was that 
the whole idea behind biocentrism is that people were isolating in, in, in the science, they were isolating themselves. So they weren't aware of the information happening in other realms of science. Right. So what he did is he opened him, his biology up to the quantum physics and up to all these different areas. And then when he started looking at the ancient wisdom and the, and the ancient teachings, he went, hold on, we're all saying the same thing, but nobody's putting it all together to, to make a complete picture. Nobody's so yeah, stepping we're, we're, back we're, and looking at it all. Exactly. So let you asked about getting back to the to the story, and, and I really want to do that for a minute. So the idea of reincarnation, people don't have to believe in reincarnation to read this story and, and enjoy the adventure. OK, because what we've done is we've given them characters that, um, you know, just have have all these different lifetimes and experiences, but there's lessons to be learned. Um, the, the main point for for us, the main underlying themes was that there is a point to, to all of this, that, that our choices matter, um, that what we do to one another, what we do to our world matters. Mm. Um, and, there, and, and basically the, the idea of reincarnation and that our energies goes on just seems sensible. Yeah. I wonder if you have to believe in reincarnation to reincarnate. Um, <laughs> I, I think you know what you do not <laughs> okay i can i i think there's lots of evidence out there in the world today that that you do not do you yeah. think it's random or do you do you subscribe more to the theory that uh we're all kind of split up into our little families or tribes and we kind of wrestle with the same soul souls throughout the throughout the thing that's the premise that we went with i mean we're you know we don't really apply to one belief or the other because what we have learned in learning this and and we agree with one of our main characters in our book socrates is that you can never stop learning so you get to you'll get to a, a certain height of of your learning and it'll kind of plateau out a little bit and then it once you you kind of apply the information to your life all of a sudden it opens up another avenue uh, and another perspective yeah. and then it takes you on a whole new journey right so where we're where we're at right now from from the the research we did from talking to uh incredible amount of uh people that um say that they've had past life experiences or that they know about them and reading about it um the idea of soul groups was you know, it really was a part of most of those stories. Um, the, I, I, on the other hand, perhaps we're only with the soul group until we outgrow it. You know, mm. if we're evolving, I if that's the way it works. people at it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and, and, and I, I know for a fact, every single one of us has people in our lives that we go, oh, shit, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to have to do that again. You know, yeah. I don't want to have to deal with that person again. You know, we, so. we looked at Ian Stevenson's work and he, you know, he looked at reincarnation for 40 years and it's all documented. He has over 2,500, um, you know, cases that he says are inexplicable and undeniably reincarnation. So, and you and I looked at some of those those um, those lives and and what's happening is especially on the other side of, of Asia and, and India, where where if a child were to say, you know, I remember being reincarnated, I remember being somebody else, or I had a different mom, or blah, blah, blah. You know, the parents in the Western civilizations tend to go, oh, that's nice, honey, now go play, right? And eventually a child reaches a certain, a certain age where they completely forget, because they've assimilated into the culture. 
yeah, but they yeah. this Ian Stevenson's he he's looked at these things and and I mean I mean they are really undeniable there was one little kid he was getting changed by his dad and and you know his 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 own dad had just passed a year prior and and the little kid who was like two and a half years old looks up to his dad and says I remember when I used to change your diapers <laughs> hey, my, my daughter said some things along those lines and we had some some deaths in the family yeah, and you know, and I think that's what that whole soul group that we we explore in our book ties into, right? Yeah. It seems that there's a lot of these people, and you know, the, you know, that whole twin flame thing, you know, where you know, and sometimes it's not all pleasant. Like sometimes people who who are your your you know soulmates tend to do bad things to you because within those bad things is great learning. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Wow. So what about the dark energy that, that gets reincarnated? Did you guys fi completely fictionalize that or did something trigger the creation of that? We knew, um, we knew really early on that, um, your, your good guy's only as good as your bad guy. Uh -huh. Um, and we, we just wanted to be as true to life. Like I said earlier, as we possibly could. And if we came into this and it was all rosy and it was all light, 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 People wouldn't identify with it. They wouldn't learn from it. They wouldn't believe it. Um, and it really wouldn't be entertaining because it wouldn't re reflect what we're actually living with in our world. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, really, we really set out to show the balance and show the difficulties that people really go through in life. And I think that's why it's resonating. Yeah, you know, it's I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to say that at the beginning, actually, is that it's not this little light and fluffy new age kind of cosmic love book it's it's quite uh quite an adult version of the dark versus the light and and everything in between it's it's pretty uh, it can be pretty harsh at times and i'm going to use that quote because that was just awesome it's not this light and fluffy cosmic uh, you know new age fluff i like that we're going to use that you know, Graham, I, I've done a lot, like I said, I've done a lot of traveling and I've been to France and you go to those little catacombs down there below Paris and, and you see, you know, these little tiny holes that you know that that's where a baby was buried. And, and you know that these horrific things happened and especially in Angkor Wat, you know, which is in the news today because, you know, the two leaders of the Khmer Rouge just got uh, life sentenced there for their atrocities. But, you know, you see the paintings when you go to Angkor Wat of, of what the Khmer Rouge did to their own people, mm -hmm. two million people or something they, you know, they, they killed. And, and it was horrific what they did to the little kids. So, you know, we didn't want to take this, you know, adventure story and not really give it a voice, you know, make sure it had a conscious. Well, and, uh, and choices matter. Uh, if we pretend that there is no such thing as darkness or evil in our world and that it's just a sliding scale and none of it's real if you pretend it's not real then it gets to run it gets to run wild and nobody is standing up and saying hey this is a choice this is these are actions of humans of peoples of consciousness and we can make a difference but we can't pretend they don't exist wow that almost gets into the greatest trick the devil ever pulled yeah Exactly. Yeah, evil doesn't exist. That is the greatest That's trick. That's exactly right. And that is a brilliant quote, too, by the way, Darren. <laughs> I didn't make that up. I'm <laughs> <aware of> <laughs> yeah. We are aware. <laughs> I, I remember the movie. I, you know, because I spent, you know, 25 years trying to be an actor and, uh, you know, 
my whole life was watching movies and, 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 you know, you start to see this stuff, you know, and that's really helped us in writing the book because, you know, we wanted to give a different spin on the love scenes. We wanted to give a different spin on the, on the fight scenes and, you know, a different overall sensation to the material in general. Yeah. And I think us being, I mean, we're in our, we're in our forties and we're not, we've lived, we've gone through a lot of things in our own lives. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of information uh, that that we bring to the table, having lived through it. Yeah, yeah. I think that was Kaiser Soze, actually. <laughs> That's right. Unusual Suspects, excellent movie. So, so I, I got to ask before I forget, Atlantis. Um, you guys called. Uh, I don't know if it was supposed to be Atlantis, but you called that uh, ancient city. How did you? How do you pronounce that? Aditala. Aditala. Okay. Yes, and that and that was uh, that is an alternative name for um, Atlantis from Plato, and we and we played oh. we paid oh, almost. So I thought maybe it was a shout out to Italy. Like yeah. you guys are soccer fans. Uh, yeah. no <laughs> well Rennie's Italian and yeah well I was we for, were watching for, the, the for the whole three seconds they were in the uh, world <laughs> cup but uh no you know what um we basically again we we really you start to research all the information and there is information on on all the things in our book so right. when people say what's your book about you know we, we tell them look it's a 13,000 year adventure story but you know it's been described as Indiana Jones meets Eckhart Tolle and it's fiction set in a non-fiction world. You know, there's not too many fiction books that you get a, a 12 page bibliography at the back of it. And, you know, we put the information out there for people to consider. Yeah, yeah. So where would we put our civilization right now? Where, how would we overlap the great year onto, onto where we're at right now? Okay, well, the great year, as we, as Renny mentioned, it's talked about in 31 ancient civilizations. So, Seems like the dog um, days of summer. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, we're, we're, according to the Yuga cycle, the Mayan calendar, the, uh, the, grand, the great cycle, um, we're, we're coming out of that dark age. The dark age is over and, we're, and we're, consciousness is shifting into the Bronze Age. And, you know, just in the five years that we've been doing this, uh, we see a big difference. People know what the word consciousness means now. And as, 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 as briefly as five years ago, it was harder to find information about it. So, you know, there's, it, there is good news out there. But, you know, we kind of see that, you know, when one goes up, the other goes down. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, things are getting pretty dark out there, too. And it doesn't Maybe that's why we're living longer. It's got fuck all to do with medicine or, you know, modern anything. It's just because we're... Go. It seems like We're through evolving. a lot of the folklore, you get you the. It's like the life expectancy kind of moves around with the with the great year as well. Yeah. Well, in the in the golden age, I mean, you imagine if if many of our diseases are are due to uh, faulty food systems, um, toxins, uh, stress, and strain, um, and you start eliminating those things in your society. And you eat holistically and you eat healthy and you, you're, you know, vegetarian and uh, which I'm not. So I'm not mouthing off about it. But mm -hmm. um, if, if all those things are in place in a society, you know, people are going to live longer. If you master energy healing and uh, recognizing when your body is out of sync, uh, because in our dense, dark age state, we're not recognizing so many things. And the ability to heal yourselves is one of those things. It's just waking up again. Huh. And that information is laid out again in history. Like when we go back to Mesopotamia and the earliest 
you know, known civilizations, the, 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 the information that came to them that wasn't written down, that was passed down orally, were that people were living 400 years and 600 years. I mean, there's even a king in there that lived ridiculous thousands of years, apparently, you know, but th this information is found again all over the world. Right. And because of when we've when we've grown up, we just can't fathom it. Yeah, because yeah. it's not so possible. I think, right didn't now. Noah live to be like eight hundred or something fucking crazy? I think Methuselah is yeah, the, yeah. Is yeah, the his king grandpa. That to be like thousands of years old. Or right. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's. I mean, it's really like the, the more and more and more you look at it, the, you know, it just seems like there's this information that people need to be discussing. That you didn't know. Uh. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. Oh. <laughs> so uh, Here's the drums. So do you guys think like putting the book aside and all that, um, do you think that as we're moving through into this bronze age and, and we're supposed to be moving out of the darkness and we do see that consciousness is, is increasing and, and more people are aware, but yet there's also, it seems like the other side where there's more conflict too, right? Like just thinking about the last few months, even, do you think it's going to get I, worse than before it, it gets better? I, I do think it's going to get worse because I'll tell you why. I mean, it is definitely getting better. I mean, didn't Deepak Chopra just break the record for the most amount of people meditating around the world for peace the other day, two days ago? Yeah, and then, but then on the other side of that, you got Gagum style with like three billion views. Yeah, well, that's very true. And I'll tell you, they both tie in. I'll tell you how. is because the old paradigm is not going to go easily, right? There's the old paradigm of thought. People get hooked. You know how hard change is for people. And especially people that have been doing this for so many years, they don't want to see that old system break down. And but, we're talking about thousands of years of dogma, too. Yeah. yeah. You know, and 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 fear tactics. Uh, you know, we as you said in the book, what that is one of the biggest things that we try to point out is that uh, fear is used against us so that we don't question. You know, I mean, telling somebody that if they ask a question, they're going to go to hell um, really, really pro prohibits people from being curious and from wanting to know more. Um, and we just you know, we really just hope that people will have an open dialogue and, and mutual respect for others beliefs that we're supposed to have in North America. Hmm. Awesome. So so you guys said you have a Hollywood uh Hollywood interest. I, I, I don't want to quote. I can't remember what you actually said, but so yeah. I pictured this thing as a movie for sure. Like it was very easy for me to picture all the scenes and I would love to see it in the theater. Is it going to happen? Do you think? Absolutely. <laughs> we, we have been optioned by Hollywood and that's actually all we're really legally even allowed to say. We actually had to sign a contract, believe it or not, but, yeah. but it has been picked up to be, you know, to be developed. Um, by uh, uh, by three Hollywood producers, so we're we're feeling extremely optimistic, and you know because people you know are loving this book so much, we're we're doing our bit to get out there and and get people to know the book. As soon as people read the book, they're exactly like you, Graham. It becomes one of their favorite books. Yeah, and and you know the coolest thing for me, I'm I I love people. I I was a special ed teacher, um, you know, while I was doing my writing on the side, and um, I when we're out there and we're talking to people and we're touching them, we, we have people, you know, we had a gentleman in his late sixties come to our table and, you know, he's this big tough and gruff guy. And, and he was almost teary eyed. And he said, this is the first time in my life I've ever been able to tell anybody these stories. Wow. You know, 
He read our book. Anyway, you guys get it. I've lived this. I remember this and I've never told a soul. And that happens over and over. And we meet, you know, 19 year olds who feel like they're crazy because they they're having experiences that are, you know, a little more uh, energetic to mm-hmm. say it lightly, you know, they're feeling these healing, they're, they're seeing other things, they're having memories, a lot like Marcus in, in our book when he's going, what's going on with me until he realizes who he is and what's going on. Wow. Do you have any sort of, um, any sort of ideas on how like paranormal or the UFO, um, the UFO experience and things like that can fit into it? We, we actually just sat down last week with a, with, a, with a guy named Alfred Weber. He wrote a book called The Omniverse. He's actually created the exopolitics uh, science that uh, if you ever get a chance to take a look at that. But yeah, we're familiar he, with Alfred. Yeah, that. so, uh, you know, Alfred is a really, really knowledgeable guy. He was educated in Yale, and, and he has all this information on the omniverse, which essentially is, is the multiverse which is, you know, is quickly becoming the standard model for physicists. So, you know, that's this, this, this parallel universes that are, that are around us and, and what that might look like. And, you know, when you really tie the whole, you know, Thomas Campbell, he's got a great book called My Big Toe. And in his book, he's a physicist and he talks about this theory of everything. And it all has to do with consciousness and the consciousness is evolving and it, it, it really ties in to the collective. Like we evolve at quicker states and, and that might explain why there's all these missing links in our evolution because there's jumps, there's like almost like a quantum tunneling effect where, 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 a, um, where a particle shoots across space and you know, it, it, into another realm. And, and I think, you know, there's something there and I wish more people would take a look at it and took it, take it seriously. Yeah. And we don't, and at this point, we don't feel like we have to know for sure. Um, I think anybody that says it's not possible that there's life um, outside of earth um, or that it's never been here. I think that would be, um, uh, that that's not very realistic. I think, uh, you know, if you look at all the evidence, there is evidence. Um, there's been so many viewings, there's been all kinds of things. So yeah, we just remain open-minded. If, if these characters, um, if those characters are going to end up, uh, down the road in, in book two or book three, uh, it's possible. Yeah. We're, we're definitely, we don't, we don't rule it out because, um, you know, every day we're learning more and, and, uh, we're getting really clear, clear information when it's supposed to come. So are you, are you guys worried about your script at all becoming a movie and, and losing some part of it or it becoming Hollywoodized to the point where, I mean, there's, you know, so many t- tales you hear about that where they lo- people, the creators lose control of their, their story. You're, you're, you're absolutely. We're totally fearful of that. And, you know, and it, you're right. It's happened over and over and over again. And, yeah. you know, we saw, we saw the matrix, for instance, the matrix started off with so much potential and, you know, matrix, the first one, you know, blew everybody away, but then, you know, then they, they took all that information out of it and turned it into a, you know, fighting Kung Fu movie or something. Right. And, yeah, no, that totally concerns yeah. us. But we picked the producers that we picked. We chose them. You know, we sat with them. We talked to them. We 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 got to learn what their belief structure was. Right. The thing is, is that they are trying to make a, a movie. They want to make this, you know, they would love to make it into an Oscar winning movie. Um, 
and, and you're we, not yeah. going to reach you're not going to reach the masses with this type of esoterical material because it scares people right but they if do you guys know win an oscar we wear a grimerica shirt <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I having been to easter island i love your little easter island guy <laughs> well you know the thing is though we like granny said we do trust um the the people we've aligned ourselves with um they they are they are excellent excellent people um and it, in as much as they're going to have a say they the reason they chose this project um among the eight million books that were released last year um is wow. because it has that heart, soul, and center that other books don't have. Mm -hmm. It's got something special that reaches out and grabs people. And, um, you know, even, even if you want to sell something or monetize it, um, when you can offer something like that, uh, you'd be crazy to take it off the table. So that's the way we, that's, that's how we talk about it. Uh, that's how we stay, you know, really hopeful. Uh, and optimistic that it's going to go well. Yeah, in any way you look at it, I mean, if if the movie does get made, re regardless of it's good or bad, it's still going to lead people back to the book, and all the information is in the book. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, and it good. will be great. <laughs> oh, I think so too. Um, I like, I love what you guys said about uh, how you wanted just people to talk about these things because that's kind of one of the reasons why we do the show too is just to open up a dialogue about all this stuff and have a platform for people to talk about their own personal experiences or their beliefs or, and not be judged and ridiculed. Well, you know what, again, one of the underlying themes of one great year is that separation is an illusion. So what you guys are doing here at Grimerica is so important because that isolation that people feel when they have beliefs that they, they don't necessarily, you know, have someone in their family or friend circle that shares that, um, you're reaching out and you're letting them know they're not alone. We ha there is a tribe, there is a family, there is, uh, you know, a very large and ever-growing group of people who think like you do, who want the world to be the kind of place you want it to be, um, and you're not alone. And, and giving people that um, gives them hope. And hope keeps people here and fighting and and striving to do better. Build it and they will come. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't write that either, Darren. <laughs> oh, can I use that? <laughs> That's kind of what we did here, actually. We just it and they came. Yeah, well, you know, I tip my hat to you in your general direction because you guys, you know, I know you're sitting in a studio by yourselves, and it's kind of like, geez, I wonder if we're touching anybody. But believe me, it's getting out there. <laughs> I was uh, I was gonna say uh, we had a listener tell me about a UFO sighting and um, and uh, her name was Charity and she saw it on Facebook and it was in her little town not too far from Calgary and I guess uh, there was a bunch of ridicule on the Facebook page so I think one of the comments was deleted by the person that put it up there but there was a pyramid shaped UFO sighting I don't have a lot of details but it floors me how there's still I mean, maybe this is a Facebook thing, like kind of like the YouTube trolls or whatever, but there was a bunch of uh, negative. Uh, oh, yeah, Facebook's full of trolls. Oh, oh it was yeah. just like a bunch of ridicule. It's like, really? Do we have to ridicule people because they say they saw like a pyramid-shaped uh, UFO? It, you know? It's fear. So anytime, if you if you really want to control a situation, um, try and get get do something to instill fear in the crowd, and you will have... You will be able to do anything you want with those people. And, you know, people don't know what to think of these things. They don't, they're not ready. Yeah, I guess. 
And fear is the greatest immobilizer. I mean, it's it, it has been shown to work over and over and over, including in ancient China. Um, in that book, they wrote, what was that? The uh, Art of War. The Art of War. Yeah, yeah. By so I mean, they showed you right there how it works, and it hasn't changed in thousands of years. Huh. So, Darren, do you want to ask uh, your question here, buddy? Young men dying and old men making money. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Oh, yeah, we should jump into that. So um, this is the part of the show where I like to talk to our guests about our, our synchronicity, um, kind of ask them what it, what the word means to them um, and maybe some, some profound ones that have happened to them all, along the way and, and maybe uh, what they meant. You well, know, you did warn us. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I, I'll tell you my synchronicity, Darren, just because, uh, you know, you, you, you already heard Tamps and now she's like, I'll give her some more time to think about that. But uh, when when we were writing this, we our book, we you know our main character is thirteen thousand years old. So we had we were looking for some information where the where our character, a thirteen thousand year old man, would know that the rest of us do not know. And at that time, my office was filled with papers. I mean, I look like those nut guys with the string that ties every single paper all the way around the room. I was looking at astrophysics and biology and, you know, all the philosophies around the world and sacred geometry. And, and, and I was, you know, I felt like it was right there, but I couldn't see it. And seriously, it was, a, it was the elephant in the room. And I, I, my friends in that particular time were, were guys that I hung out with since, since kindergarten. And, you know, these guys didn't believe in any of this, didn't really believe in anything, didn't really do anything for anybody ever. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was kind of like I was kind of questioning, like, what what am I doing? Like, you know, and I remember just literally saying, I want to do something good. And the moment I said that out loud, I got I saw the 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 flower of life and how it pertains to, you know, the lattice work to consciousness, essentially. And literally it was just like that. It was like a light went on in my head and I, I went running into my office and every single piece of paper, I understood exactly how it applied to what we were trying to get across. And it, it, that was the synchronistic moment of my life and it changed my life. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to tell you my little synchronicity now. You asked the definition. So uh, for me, I've realized that, uh, you know, the definition of synchronicity is uh, seemingly unrelated things that actually have meaning. Um, but for for me, I, I now know it's the energies, the universe, whatever, talking to me. If I will tune in, if I'll pay attention to all the little things around me, I get really clear messages. Um Reddy and I have been working on book two since last year. Uh, we were at a book signing uh, in, a, in a park at a, at a, at a farmer's market. Um, and we were working on a particularly interesting storyline, just gathering information. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, a vagrant, a, a man came to talk to us. And uh, he didn't say hello and he didn't say anything except he said, have you ever heard of blah, blah, blah. I can't tell you because it'll ruin our storyline for you, but have you ever heard of blah, blah, blah? And we went, we looked at each other and said, yes. And he goes, 
I have information about it. No one else knows. And he told us the information and it, it was correct when we, and we had done extensive research about this particular person in history and that had never come up. And then he walked away. That's all he said to us. Have you heard of this about so-and-so? And then he told us, and then he was gone. And we just looked at each other and went, okay, if that's not synchronicity, if that is not the universe bringing in somebody right when you need it, giving you the information at the right time, I don't know what is. What's that guys, out of 10? I'll give you guys both seven. And here's why. Because I think you guys manifested these people. That's still a synchronicity. No, it's not. That's yeah. witchcraft. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't say that. I'm, I already, I'm already afraid for my life. <laughs> don't put that up. Well, no, that's, that's great, man. That, that makes me think that you're on the right path too. That's kind of what I think about synchronicities is that it's like, you have to be present for them to happen in a way. Like if you're too internal or not, uh, you know, seeing what's going on, you, you won't really notice them. But the more you become kind of aware and present, the more they start happening. And to be honest, I can't tell you how often it is a random odd stranger that many people would ignore or not talk to there is a wealth of humanity if you are compassionate if you are you reach out to the humans around you the the gifts come even faster i think you know and it's funny because that the the whole synchronistic it's what it is essentially is the language the universe speaks and it the way to understand the language is it's a threefold concept so you have to understand it from a rational sense from a creative sense and from an intuitive intuitive sense. sense so if you take all three of those perspectives and you group them together the universe speaks that language and that's how this is how this whole synchronistic thing came about and that is the language that the, in order to understand it that's the manner on how it's done Wow. So wow. your, your synchronicity, Tamara, reminds me of, um, we just interviewed a Peruvian shaman named Oscar. Do you remember that time, Darren, when he was talking about, he was basically like down and out and he met this vagrant who had a book, a bunch of books, and he, he just handed them this random book. Yeah. And it was this topic he'd been totally studying, but he'd left it alone for a while and it brought him right back, like basically, you know, life-changing synchronicity, like very, very similar in a way to to yours so it's i love beautiful. that beautiful yeah. yeah well yeah like it's always like a good synchronicity yeah i don't agree with your rating though darren yeah well <laughs> if you would have told it it would have been like four I, i'm sure <laughs> the witchcraft <laughs> i'm sure you guys have disagreed once or twice oh geez every bloody time somebody's <laughs> gonna hold this guy down <laughs> no so, you know I Sorry, I, I will, I'll tell you just quickly, the, the title of our book, yeah, um, okay. Great Year. I mean, it's a simple title. Um, we had a different working title for the first two and a half, three years. Uh, when we came time to publish, our working title had been taken one month before. Wow. Uh, we were crushed. And, and the night we found out it was taken, um, I was meditating. And uh, I was meditating on the new title of the book. And I got one great year and I told Rennie, I just got one great year in my meditation as a title. There's no way that's available. Um, we checked it out. It was available. Um, it's very much like the great year by Walter Cuttenden. 
who did the documentary on the Great Year Cycle. And now Walter has endorsed our book. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Oh, so was it was... I'll give you an eight for that one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know Walter was Because the other one, the other one were totally deserve better. What was, what was the old title, if you don't mind me asking? I can't tell you or we'd have to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I can't say just because it is a title of somebody else's work. Right. And, uh, we don't know what they're doing with that work at this point. But I tell you this, I'll tell you this, Graham, it wasn't nearly as good. <laughs> yeah. The title he means, not the word. Yeah. yeah. We oh. were so happy to get one great year because, I mean, we've literally people had people come up to us and say, I don't even know what your book's about, but I love the title. Yeah, I have to have this book. Huh. Well, it's fascinating because it does, it does uh, wrap around so many We've talked to a few guests now that have talked about uh, yeah. meditating for, like a Mikaswami took the quantum, quantum uh, mechanics angle at it, yeah. and then we had Neil or Joe Gallenberger take the meditating, meditating and creating your own creativity and luck. It's kind of funny that keeps yeah. popping up. There, yeah. There's a lot of quotes um, out there. I mean, Einstein quoted that you have to use your creativity and your intuition um, to be a, to be a genius, basically, you know, he said, nobody, nobody gets there by intellect alone. If without the creativity and intuition, you're, you're lost. I so. just want to talk about Amit Goswami. How fun was that? How fun was that talking to him? Oh yeah. The doobie doobie doo concept. <laughs> yeah, doobie. that was a fun one. <laughs> yeah. Doobie doobie doo. I still live by that. Yeah. Well, you know what? He, he totally gets it. And, and, and absolutely. We, we think his work is fabulous. You can make your head hurt at times. <laughs> it can, it can, yeah. You know, and I love, you know, because he, he tends to, to slow it down a little bit for us lay people. And uh, when he really gets caught up, it's, you know, he kind of giggles at you because he, he sees that faraway look in your eye. Yeah, 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 he is great. So is there anything else you guys want to, uh, to say to our listeners or talk about your stuff uh, before we start wrapping up? Yeah, you know, I think I think you know we're talking about a lot of heavy issues here, and that that gets us scary for a lot of people. You know, what we did with our book is we simplified. You know, so we took this world that everybody's talking about. We don't we don't we created a working model of it, and we we inserted our our adventure story into that. So you don't you don't get told how to live or told what to do. You get to see it from the point of the observer, and you know it's a great adventure story it's it's original it's unique you get to venture into four ancient civilizations you get to go to ancient bolivia ancient greece ancient egypt ancient mongolia and then it, it culminates in present day and it, it you know it is a fresh take on this information it'll make you think it takes that action adventure genre and we spin it to make you think about the profound questions about life Amit would say that actually the people reading the book or observing the book are actually affecting its creation. <laughs> Absolutely. There would be people that say that. That's true. Since uh, time is not linear and time is just uh, the flower all cyclical. of life. Yeah. It's all happening at once. <laughs> yeah. It's all cyclical. That's yeah, funny. no, you know, and that, that whole cyclical sense of time is just such an exciting, just on its own, if you start looking at that, it gets extremely interesting. So, you know. I know we're, we're, we're talking about lots of stuff here, but it, there's so much stuff to talk about. 
It's funny we did a we did an episode uh, where where me and me and a buddy took some mushrooms and tried to podcast the experience, <laughs> and and it was almost a year ago. And to this day, like just last week, I got uh, an email about someone that was listening to it, and there's still I still get emails of people that are experiencing a contact high of some oh, mushrooms that I ate like eleven months ago or ten months ago. How that's cool great. is that? The ripple effect. Yeah, well, we've shared, we have shared our ayahuasca journey stories with a number of people, and it seems like every single time we see those people, they want to talk about it again. Yeah, yeah. Wow, we didn't even get into that, too. Yes, yeah, so we've been talking about uh, ayahuasca quite a bit on here, too. Well, uh, it's it's got its place. It's got its place, that medicine. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> One day. Head on down to Peru. <laughs> yeah. Hey, come with us. We're going at the end of November and first week of December. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, definitely check out that event, man. It is going to be awesome. I'll link specifically to that in the show notes, too, for sure. It sounds good. So, um, yeah, make sure you let us know uh, if you're coming to Calgary and, uh, you know, when your next project comes out, your book, too, or, or your movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'd love to I'd love to have you back on. Or I can't wait to to see more of your work. Oh, Thank that'd you. Be fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks for the support. Thanks for having us. We're hoping to have the book out by the end of the year or early spring. Oh, great. Um, and uh, we are definitely coming back to Calgary because we love, love, love Alberta. We've had an amazing response there. Your bookstores have been absolutely brilliant. The staff have been brilliant. Um, and there's a there's a couple expos coming up there. Uh, in October, so that that'll all be on our site, and we'll we'll throw you a note when we know we're going to be yeah, around. For sure, yeah. That reminds me, I should thank Sally, who uh, was working at New Age Books, who told me about you guys, who hooked us up. So thanks, Sally. Yeah. That was uh, yay, that was Sally. Great. Yeah, there's a her. really there's a really huge spiritual community here in Calgary too. It's very, uh, you know, there's this a lot of money and a lot of oil, but then on the other side, there's this uh, polarization where there's quite a quite a connected uh, spiritual community. So. That's good. Yeah, there is. And it, and it's actually really lovely. Self-connection books um, uh, on bonus and yeah. um, wage books and crystals. They they do amazing stuff. And we just got um, picked up by Dempsey Distributing uh, so, and they distribute right across all the way to Newfoundland. So there's going to be some really big stuff happening across Canada for us. Great. Yeah, and yeah, it was you know, awesome. It was cool. You know, and this year we got we got represented at this year's academy award so that that opened the door wide open for people right we got it to a lot three oscar winners this year and a, and a lot of stars so we're excited for what's going to be coming and uh like i said you know we we created the world in book one and and in book two we're gonna we're gonna blow the shell right off the turtle perfect well think about it the america shirt would look good at the academy awards <laughs> closest we'll ever come you got, you got no chance I'm wearing that to the Academy Awards. I'm telling I'm going to be dressing up. I might, I, I might though, Darren. I might wear it. <laughs> right on. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so much, us. you guys. Have a great night and great talking with you. Welcome back to the Great America Show. That was our chat with uh, Rene, Rene, Rene DeFazio and Tamara Veach.
one great year. That was a one great novel. It was one great chat. It really was, yeah. Randy might wear a Grand America shirt at the Grammys. Yeah. That would be cool. That I can't wait till cool. it comes out in like some visual format like a movie. Or a Grand America shirt at baseball the other day. <clears throat> yeah, I, I've been wearing mine around. Yeah. My sister Joe has got another batch coming, ready for Paradigm. She's doing it up. Sweet. Yeah. In the mail? No, I'm picking it up from Vancouver. Uh, oh, that's right. You're going days, to Vancouver. Right? <clears throat> yeah. Forgot about that. Actually, that's where uh, Renee and Tamara are from. Rennie and Tamara are from. Um, and it was so cool because uh, super nice couple, right? Like right away, we're, it's the first uh, interview I've lined up by phone, actually talking to them about stuff. And, you know, they're interested in our podcast and we're talking about the 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 book and the research and it's just cool to have people that uh, you can tell they're interested in you because we're sort of following our path or our dream, right? This isn't your dream, is it? This is a dream bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dream bigger, buddy. Let's cover our expenses here yeah, in let's America. Let's cover our expenses. <laughs> That's the dream. Yeah. No, it was a, it was a great, uh, great chat, great book. That reminds me of the No Agenda mediocrity became the american dream did you listen to that oh one? yeah that was oh, awesome fuck, that was just fucking howling yeah been good lately yeah they're almost like fucking four hours long no the last one was three hours and 31 minutes was it? like a fucking lord of the rings movie darren's talking about the no agenda podcast it's kind of one of our favorite podcasts and it's ruined some of my other podcasts listening because it keeps me up to date with uh, what's going on in the mainstream. We don't even need to plug those guys. They need to plug us. They this is crazy. Plug us. They do plug us when we send them money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually pays off. Yeah. Yeah. We're st we still get listeners trickling in from the No Agenda show. Our last yeah. our last reviewer, I think, was uh, from the said he found us from the No Agenda show. Yeah. So people that are still like, you know, easy to fall behind on that one, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Fuck, that's a long ways behind. That reminds me, review the show. Reviews help. Yeah, reviews help. They increase the algorithm to pull us up on the list. Yeah, goamerica.ca slash iTunes. You can review us right there or wherever else. If you're on Stitcher or whatever the fuck, just review us. Yeah, I want to thank all the new listeners from all the new countries and all the uh, new subscribers, too. That oh, helps. Oh, yeah. We'll mention the countries next week, probably. Yeah. But Yeah, and we'll give away we the money, money the bomb as soon as we get up to 200 or if that happens. Uh, before, or if it goes up to more than that before the end of the month, right. we'll give away half of yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Of course. Um, fuck, I was just about to say something, too. Yeah, sorry, buddy. Fuck. That's gone. Review the show. Algorithm? No. No. Spam gram. No. no. <laughs> Synchronicity? No. I forget. Money bomb? No. Email? No. Feedback? No. Voicemail? No. <laughs> it's gone. Whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll compile. We'll, uh, did, you, did you get Oh, it? yeah. No, that's what I said. I'll mention the new countries next week. Right, we finally <laughs> put the the list together so that we know we're arguing about uh, which country we've mentioned before. And uh, hopefully Graham won't argue with the globe anymore and decide which countries are countries and which countries aren't. <clears throat> but we're up to 143, so that's 143, exciting. wow, that's yeah, crazy. In the hegemony. Wow. Seems crazy. 
Yeah. That's so good. there's a bunch to mention. I have no idea how we're going to go through and decide which ones. There's a couple that I know for sure we haven't mentioned, like Zimbabwe. Well, we could just pull out the old map that's crumpled up in that closet and look at what we're going to color black. Yeah. <laughs> how are we going to know what countries are? Because I know where all the countries are in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, anyway, guys, as usual, you'll find links to all this great stuff in the show notes, where to find the book, all the music you heard, and uh, Crown's Buddy's Dream. Yeah. You might as well link to that, since I cut you off so rudely. I'm like, it's just an email. I'm not going to link to anything. Just copy-paste it. No. Show notes will be like six pages. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get it out another time when we, when we need content. Okay. All right, buddy. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends about the show. Email Graham. Email Graham. G-R-A-H-A-M. At GrahamAmerica.com. Yeah. And Twitter. Tweet tweet us. Follow us on Facebook. And uh, review the show. And come back next week. Now and then I think of when we were together. When you said you felt so happy you could die You can get addicted to a certain kind of sadness Like resignation to the end, always the end Thank you.